Go ahead. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Mets Legends Cast. I, of course, am the illustrious Mets hero that you hear so much about on the Mets Legends page. The quintessential, quintessential Mets hero, Rob Pearsall. I'm just joking. But it's me, Rob. I'm joined, of course, with my co-host, Michael Jennings. And today we have another very special guest, a good buddy of mine, Ryan Finkelstein. Ryan, how's it going? Mike J, how are you guys doing today? Well, it's going well, except for the Mets are, are crumbling at the moment, right? Everyone's panicking. It's been a rough, what, eight days here. So we'll see if uh, they can turn things around with a, a rookie debuting today. We'll see if he's going to be a longstanding Met or maybe a Mets legend. We'll see what happens. Depends on how you define legend, of course. You know, yeah. if, he's, if he's our Mets legend or if he's like an actual Mets legend, you know. Um, I'm fine with either one personally. <laughs> Me too. Me too. He's a six foot seven righty. We'll see what happens. He's, he's got yeah. potential both ways there. Yeah, he's he's exciting. Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, Rob. But um, you know, I I want to give a shout out to Jared Eikhoff for breaking up the no hitter last night. Legends. Um, he's legend. a he's our kind of Mets legend. I know yeah. he, that's the kind of guy he's going to be. So yeah, yeah. So did, did so, he just pass Tommy Hunter when it comes to pitcher hits this season? I don't know. Tommy Hunter had to dance and then he got hurt, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah. Tommy Hunter just as mysteriously as he showed up disappeared. You know, he was kind of. It's like it kind of feels like a like a distant memory at this point that he was even on the Mets. At, this season i was actually at a game where he started it was in like april it was a cold april night and he was an opener it was the night after the raccoon game and uh mcneil hit a home run and they had the the raccoon graphic on the on the uh the uh big scoreboard but uh yeah so we got tyler mcgill getting his major league debut tonight um he's had a really good minor league season so far um just recently reached triple a he probably wouldn't have been up so quickly if everybody is healthy um but the mets kind of have their hands tied uh they've been dealing with injuries non-stop this entire season uh sandy alderson and zach scott are going to be having to play a little bit of uh i don't know roster tetris if you will uh going forward again um so probably going to see some moves externally internally again um, you know, Robert Stock, they just claimed off waivers from the Cubs. I imagine he'll probably be up here sooner rather than later. Maybe a return of Cameron Mabin, perhaps, uh, if things really get bleak. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what McGill's got. You know, some guys they reach the bigs and kind of everything just clicks for them and they never really look back. You know, it's kind of a drastic comparison, but Matt Harvey former first round pick. So, you know, I'm not going to compare him to Tyler McGill, but when he got called up in 2012, actually, he wasn't having a terrific minor league season. Um, And he got called up and everything kind of just started to click for him. And he never really looked back until of course the injuries started to derail him, but you know, we'll see the Mets have a four game lead still at the time of recording. Uh, It feels a lot less secure, I think, than it did um, even a week ago, a week and a half ago. Um, you know, especially playing Atlanta, uh, you know, so this is Wednesday when we're recording, uh, hopefully the Mets are able to at least split this series with the Braves. Um, you know, you can't let them come in here and trounce you and and take three out of four. 
Um, you got to at least split this and then you play Philly and you play Washington after this. And those are also some important divisional games, especially against the Phillies. Um, but we'll see what happens. I mean, there's still a lot of baseball left. I think there's a lot of people on Twitter that are kind of overreacting and feel like the Mets just got eliminated from playoff contention, which we don't, we know is not the case. Uh, you know, 2015, the Mets were kind of hovering around 500 for, most of the first half of the season and then they kind of took off uh late july early august so i mean there's still there's still a lot of time left and um you're gonna get conforto back uh tonight which is wednesday hopefully nemo at some point early next week or maybe this weekend and uh you take it from there but uh you know at the very least we, we've we've gotten to see plenty of of our mets legends uh in in blue and orange this year and we'll see what Tyler McGill has tonight. Um, but we want to start off the, the podcast talking a little bit about you, Ryan. Um, you've had me on your podcast a few times now. Um, kind of just give us a little bit of a, give us a little bit of a rundown of what you're doing over there uh, at Locked on Mets and, uh, you know, kind of what your recording process is like since you're a daily, you know, podcast and, you know, just, just the, the whole, um, you know, the whole rundown of what you're doing. Yeah, so the Locked On Podcast Network, the idea of our network is we have a show for every team in every sport. And basically, if you are driving to work each day, Monday through Friday, we got a new show for you, updating you on everything that happens. So I host Locked On Mets, Monday through Friday. You can check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And I've been doing the show now since the 2019 season. I was actually a senior in, in college at the time, and the network was just starting on the MLB channel, our CEO is uh, the voice of the Utah Jazz. So we started on NBA and the NFL channels were kind of established. The MLB channel was just getting started. I sent in a demo, got the show, uh, didn't know what the hell I was doing at first, <laughs> um, kind of figured it out along the way. The show kind of started to find its voice. I would say when Marcus Stroman got traded to the Mets, that was when I kind of started to figure out exactly what I was doing. And who my audience was and how to play to the audience and everything else. And it's been a lot of fun since I'd say outside of some dark months during the COVID year where I was talking about, I don't remember, I guess a lot of Mets legends, maybe um, yeah. other than that, it's been a lot of fun and uh, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep expanding our coverage. I'm sure we'll be on YouTube very soon. So that's going to be a whole new frontier for me. So there's a lot of stuff going on with locked on Mets and it's a, it's a fun team to cover this year. That's for sure. Yeah. No, the very least interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the very I least. Say. I mean, you know, there's, there's someone who has to host a locked on Marlins podcast and uh, locked on Mariners and some of these teams where you don't mm -hmm. have content as much as the Mets give you content. Even when the Mets were bad in 2020, there was a lot of fun stuff to talk about on, on the other side of things. You know, you could rip Jeff Wilpon, and now it's a little bit more of, of a podcast where you're celebrating ownership for once, but th there's always something to talk about with the Mets. It's never a dull moment. That's what I love about them, man. Yeah. <laughs> they, they drive us nuts. You know, they, uh, it's kind of like they, they stab us and they twist the knife, you know, multiple times a week. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it certainly keeps us on the edge of our seats. Um, and yeah, totally, man. I mean, even with new ownership, there's, you know, the Mets are an organization that 
are always going to have these wild stories and quirky moments. And I think it's just kind of ingrained in their fabric, but yeah, I can only imagine how hard it was last year, especially during COVID where you didn't have baseball or any sports going on and people were having to stay home and there wasn't even a lot going on other than this kind of dark cloud over the, over the world. And, and, and this, this anxiety of, of this, this virus. Um, And so uh, I can only imagine, you know, you must've been talking about Lasting's Millage and yeah. Fernando Martinez and, you know, even guys like Andy Green and, you know, Wilson Valdez, I imagine worked your way into the podcast, but did you, before you started Locked on Mets, did you have prior uh, experience doing podcasts or what's your background? What did you study in college and yeah. Um, you know, how, what led you to want to do a podcast in the first place? Well, one thing I'll tell anyone who's interested in podcasting is just record something. It doesn't matter if anyone's listening. The, the only way to get better at this is repetition. So in, I would say I was probably maybe a sophomore in college. I started a podcast called, uh, I mean, I don't even remember the name now. Was it let's think sports. I think that's what it was. And it was me and my uncle. My uncle is, uh, he's like a AV computer type teacher. So he kind of taught me how to record, taught me how to use all the, all these different programs. And he was the host and he would just kind of kick stories to me that I would prepare a, a show sheet and I'd go through and, and no one listened. My dad probably was the only listener. Maybe a couple of my buddies listened, but that was huge for me. I did that for a couple of years, you know, once a week would talk to my uncle for an hour and produce a show. And then I had had a couple of radio classes in college. My last, uh, my last semester, I was like one of the, the lead producers of, of a you know, school radio show that we did. And yeah, I mean, all that repetition kind of pays off. And also obviously my background's in writing. So a lot of what you do in podcasting still kind of goes back to those roots. When I do a story where I'm breaking down Joey Lucchese's, you know, pitching, I go through the same process of, of research that I would do if I'm writing an article about it, but I just talk about it on the show. So uh, it all kind of comes together. And like I said, the number one thing I would tell anyone who wants to start a podcast is just, you know, record yourself, listen to it and, and, and figure it out. Cause it definitely takes some time to get used to talking on a mic and being comfortable. Yeah. I, I know when, when we first started our podcast here in Mets legends, you know, it, it was something that I kind of, went into blind um you know i started the page and i thought that starting a podcast would be um an interesting little supplement to the page because there's a lot to talk about um story-wise and you know we just talked about how the mets are such an interesting team historically and currently and i really felt like there were these these stories that have been highlighted in the past you know they're not unknown but maybe the average fan wouldn't know about And so I thought having a podcast and just talking about these things that I enjoy talking about anyway um, would be a cool thing to do. But I was completely did not know how you went about even recording a podcast if you were to have a guest on or if you were to record with someone else. And you were really helpful in that respect. And, you know, you told me about Anchor and you told me about how you um, you converted the, the MP4 to the MP3s and getting it all up there. And it's been you know, it's, it's not anything that's super difficult, you know? So I think you're right. Like, even if you're just recording something and, and blasting it out there, you don't know who's going to listen and you don't know 
Um, and, and even if no one is listening, you're getting that experience, you know, and you're setting yourself up if you want to continue to do it in the future. Um, you talked a little bit about how Marcus Stroman being traded to the Mets in 2019 uh, was kind of like a turning point for you per se in some aspects of, of your, your podcast. But I asked Jack and Sam uh, pleasant good evening, good evening this last week. I'm curious to hear what you have to say, but in your time doing the podcast, what do you believe has been either a, the coolest moment you've done so far, like an episode you look back on and you thought, Hey, that was really awesome. Or B, what do you think the most important thing you've kind of touched upon has been uh, since doing your podcast in regards to the Mets? Well, I mean, like I said, so the Stroman trade was significant. I think one thing I've learned is that no matter what you do, when the Mets are winning, people are more engaged in the show. That's just, that's just a reality. Like I, I can't get around that. No one cares as much about the Mets when they're losing, you know, the, the download numbers reflect that. So that was maybe the first big lesson is when the Mets made that trade wow, look at all these new new listeners. And so I think I've learned that it's really important to grasp onto those moments. When Francisco Lindor signs an extension, I'm going to get a podcast up within 10 minutes of it happening where I'm just going to react to it. And then the next day after my breaking you know news podcast, I'll maybe go into a little more depth about what the signing means and, and maybe give you a little more facts. But I do try to capture those moments of excitement and get something out there. And I think the the big differentiator between what I do and what any other Mets podcaster do is just honestly the amount of content I'm putting out. Um, and I try to make it all quality content. So I would say those are kind of some of the things that have stood out. Uh, one of the, the interesting ones that I had was when I got Mitch Stetter, um, which I guess Mets legends, you guys might like some innocuous name like Mitch Stetter. Um, for my 500th episode, I, I tried to get Gary Sheffield. I paid for a DM on Cameo. Uh, never got a response from from Sheffield, shockingly. So mm. I got I ended up just doing some some investigative journalism and contacted Mitch Stetter of all people. And if you don't know, Mitch Stetter gave up the 500th home run, and it was fun. I talked to him for like 10 minutes just about giving up the home run, what it was like, and you know his career, which didn't last much beyond that. It was maybe a three year career, but you know it, it was kind of cool to talk to him. So those have been kind of some of the, the more interesting stories that have come across for me. Um, I also had Chase and Sharif on last year. That was a fun one as well. That's why one of the reasons I was so disappointed the Mets didn't bring him back because A, I had the contact, but B, his splitter has become one of the best pitches in baseball. He's continued to have a lot of success in Pittsburgh, but those are the main guests I could say. And, and like I said, there's just been a lot of things I've learned over this process last couple of years here. So what did Mitch Stetter have to say about the 500th home run? How did he, you know, did he know that it was, that it was the 500th no. home run right off the bat? Um, he, you know. he bas- basically, he said, he was like, I had no idea why everyone was celebrating so much. I, th- I think the home run might have, I can't remember if it tied the game or it gave them as a lead. Um, but he, he just said, you know, this is like a home run in the seventh inning or whatever. And he was like, he's like, why is everyone freaking out? He said, it wasn't until, and he looked up on the Jumbotron and saw it was the 500th home run that he realized why everyone was reacting so much to a home run in April. Yeah. I mean, well, he's forever ingrained in, in Mets history now. And um, I mean, I didn't even know the name of the guy that gave up that Sheffield home run. So that's pretty cool that you, uh, that you had him on as always. My cat has decided to join us <laughs> as you guys can see, this is a weekly occurrence it usually happens before the podcast, but I guess today he, uh, 
he decided to to give us a little cameo here but um he's yeah, figured right out now. that we waffle a little bit beforehand <laughs> he's like you know what i'm getting on the show today <laughs> yeah he's like you're not gonna fool me this time <laughs> Speaking of cats, I uh, I actually saw on Twitter today Trevor May posted a picture of his cat and uh, his cat's name is Donnie. So I commented and I go, oh, so this is the real Donnie Stevenson that everyone's been talking about. Um, Might just be. Might just be. <laughs> um, well, you know, if you go by the theory that Donnie Stevenson's a mindset, you know, I mean, I guess that is his Donnie Stevenson, right? Whatever um, that mindset is, it's got to uh, get tweaked a bit. It's not. It's not quite working for this Mets lineup. <laughs> No, Donnie can make some adjustments. Well, you guys saw that video. You saw that video that Pete Alonso uploaded to of like that Mm -hmm. that jacked actor pretending to be Donnie Stevenson. And like, I just knew that like as soon as like that video was posted, like I knew the Mets were gonna hit a skid. I was like, there's (laughs) like there's no way that this cursed video is going to be any positive thing for the Mets. Like, you just resurrected a joke that's been dead for weeks. And like yeah. uploaded it, and now the Mets have been shut out. I think three times since that video was posted. So like, thanks, Pete. Um, <laughs> it, I think it's time for Donnie Stevenson to just kind of go into the annals of history and never cut back. <laughs> I'm with you on that one completely. Um, I think those those Donnie Stevenson shirts that were posted that that were um, purchased and are kind of out in the wild need to be uh, all taken to one collective area and made a bonfire out of it at this point, you know, kind of break the curse, but Ryan, um, let us know where we can find you to listen to your podcast on Twitter. And, um, also, um, give us a little bit of a breakdown of what, where we can find you elsewhere outside of locked on nets. Yeah. So you can follow the podcast, uh, anywhere you get your podcast, you can follow it on Twitter at Fink- or at locked on match. You can follow me at Finkelstein, Ryan, and also, I write for Mesmerized. You can find some of my work there. Cool. So, uh, Ryan, I mean, I just want to tell you, I love your podcast. You know, I, I love that you do a daily podcast. You do a really terrific job with it. And um, it's normally some uh, some listening for me at the end of the day where I kind of catch up and kind of chill out. So thank you for providing me with a, a form of meditation in the form of the Mets. I, I much appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I always say, I mean, to, to me, you know, I get a lot of different comments and stuff. And what the only thing I care about is that people that listen every day, like that's what I'm, I'm making the show for. There's a lot of people that'll tell me that they listen when they drive their kids to school or when they walk the dog and it, it becomes part of your daily routine. I think that's the power of the lockdown podcast network. And that's something I'm, I'm really happy to contribute to. That's awesome. So recently, Ryan, I know you're, you know, you're a big Mets Legends fan. You know, you're always supporting us and, and, you know, tagging us in things when, when legendary players on the Mets and other teams are doing things, you know, which is great. You know, we're always hitting it with retweets and bringing it up as well. So always, always appreciate the assists on that one. Um, But Mike J here actually, uh, you know, is really into uh, OOTP, which is out of the park baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, I'm going to let you take it away. Um, at first, just, you know, tell us a little bit about what that is and, um, you know, what interests you about it and kind of what you've been doing, um, mm-hmm. with, with that and tying it into the Mets legends. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it's a game that I've been playing for a couple of years now, but basically it's a, uh, you know, GM and manager simulator where you have complete control over like rosters and you know personnel and things like that 
um, and you can, you know, set your own lineups and you can play the games. A lot of people just like sim it just to see what would happen. Um, but you, you know, the way that I like to play it is that, you know, I play the games, I make the in-game, you know, managerial decisions as well. Um, but basically I put out a poll a few days ago on, uh, the Mets legends, Twitter asking, you know, our followers, if we were to do, you know, Mets legends season on out of the park baseball, which year should we do? I gave them four choices. I think the choices were like 2004, 2009, 2013, and 2016. Um, and it really became a two horse race pretty quickly between uh, 2016 and 2009. So it was either like a dumpster fire year or just a year that they kind of fell short. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, 2016 kind of edged out the rest. Um, if I, you know, full transparency. I did have my girlfriend go on Twitter and break the tie between 2009 and 2016. <laughs> Uh, but I left the choice up to her. I said, I didn't give her any context of those years. I just said, Hey, these two are tied. Just pick between the two. Um, so she picked 2016. I'm setting up the season right now, actually. Um, and you know, I, the, the way that I'm going to approach it is to go in sort of like, I've just, I think I've decided like 20 game spans where I'll play 20 games, kind of go back to Twitter and be like, here's where we're at. Um, you know, what sorts of moves should we look to do? Uh, you know, update everybody on injury, you know, on everything from injuries to stats to like, you know, my sort of take on what's happening in this virtual world and, and kind of try to get some, uh, some input from the followers as well. So, um, we'll see how it goes. You know, I, I kind of want to do this, um, throughout multiple seasons if if it's successful i think it would be a really fun way to to kind of go back down memory lane and and see just how many you know legends have come in and out of of the mets organization um you know i've already looked ahead at least in the 2016 season this was the year where uh you know the mets traded for jay bruce so i'm definitely going to try to make that happen uh, they traded Anthony Bastardo to bring back uh, a highly ineffective John Neese. Mm. I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to actually pursue that or not. Um, but, you know, I, the idea is to, to keep, you know, the Mets legends Twitter engaged uh, throughout the process. So are you starting from the beginning, like what the opening day roster was like, or how mm -hmm. are you? Okay. So yeah. that means our buddy Alejandro Deaza is going to be oh, yeah. a big part of the equation on that one for sure. Yes. Um, hoping, hoping for a big season from him. I'm sitting yeah. here trying to remember when James Loney came into the fold. Did he start the season on the team or was he, he like did. two weeks in? He started the season okay. on the team. Yeah. So uh, I'm kind of, I'm actually kind of trying to figure out what to do with him <laughs> because uh, you know, you do have Wilmer Flores who can't play first base, Neil Walker who can play first base. And I would rather have both of those guys at first base than, than James Loney. Um, I mean, if it's about Mets legends, I don't know. James <laughs> Loney. I, I mean, that was what a year that was. True. That is true. I feel like, I feel like I don't, I don't have any of the stats in front of me, but I feel like he was, he was one of those guys that was just hitting a bunch of singles. Yeah. So he probably had like a slugging percentage, like, like at 350. Yep. But he was batting like 300 all year. So Terry Collins loved to have him in the lineup, if I remember right. 
but yeah, he, you know, I mean, he was, he certainly he was wasn't. I yeah. Mean, I mean, he filled in for Duda, you know, like he, he, he played, he played in for the Mets that year, a hundred games, you know, that is true, um, yeah. and he hit nine home runs. I remember he hit, a, he hit a home run in the game where the Mets clinched a playoff berth in Philadelphia. I remember. Oh yeah. I think, I think he, I think he got this. Like, that That's was like right. the one where it was like, all right, they're actually going to win this in there. Yeah. Yeah. So he hit 265 that year. Uh, he had a 307 on base percentage and he had a 397 <laughs> slugging percentage. Oh, you were pretty, pretty darn close there, Ryan. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, mean, I thought, honestly, at the slugging percentage, but yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, he got his OPS up into like the, like the low 700s, you know, with, with having like a slugging percentage a little bit on the higher end of the 300. So, I mean, quite honestly, the Mets could have used the James Loney at certain points this season, to be honest. True. That's true. Oh, yeah. I, I actually, I actually was thinking like, you know, is there anyone, any sort of like Adrian Gonzalez type that's like out on the, you know, free yeah. agent market right now? But every every team right now currently has just so many injuries that, you know, it's probably pretty bare. But mm-hmm. um, but it's interesting looking at who you know who the Mets have in their system this year too. I mean, you have a really young Brandon Nimmo, who's uh, who's going to be making his way through through the system. Uh, Gavin Ciccini made his mm-hmm. uh, debut that year. Wow um dilson herrera was involved in the jay bruce trade we'll see if they the reds still bite on dilson herrera uh we also have tj rivera and ty kelly who we love eric campbell who we love uh and kevin plawecki are just some of the names that stood out to me as uh some true mets legends who i'm looking forward to to bring into the fold one way or another throughout this virtual season Gavin Cicchini, actually, he has, I think, one career home run, and it came against Clayton Kershaw in L.A. That's, like, his only career home run. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish he succeeded, but, um, you know, I mean, for, like, a 10-year span, I mean, we've talked about it before, like, you know, you know, a little less than 10 years, but, like, in, in Alderson's tenure as the Mets GM, he was really the only first-round pick that was, like, really a complete miss. Um, and he wasn't someone that I was ever particularly high on as a prospect, his brother, Garen, I know it's not really something that like you could really base it off of, but he had a brother, Garen Shakini, who was on the um, Red Sox. And I was kind of just like, like, he wasn't like a super like overwhelmingly great player. So I was like, I don't know, maybe like he's going to be just like his brother. And then he did end up turning out to be like his brother, but I guess you can't really base things off that because you also have Chase and Travis Darnot who are kind of different, um, you know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, hopefully Gavin Cicchini crushes it and out of the park. Um, <laughs> and, you know, for you folks listening at home, make sure you check that out. Um, you know, as Mike embarks on this 2016 season, hopefully the Mets do a little bit better uh, than they did that year um, in regards to getting eliminated in the one game playoff. But um Mike, do you have any final thoughts on that or anything you'd like to add to that um, in regards to what you're about to embark on? Yeah, uh, just that, you know, if if you want to follow along, it's going to be pretty periodic. Um, You know, uh, it's going to be kind of like I'm going to get to the 20 game stretches as I can, uh, but I'm going to try to time box the season to like, um, I don't know, maybe like a month and a half of playing regularly. So, uh, so kind of, if, if you're interested, just, just follow along on Twitter and there'll be plenty of opportunity to, to have your input 
uh, on, on where, what sort of direction uh, the team should go. Yeah. And to make sure that you follow along with Mike on our Twitter account, he'll be, like you said, posting his, uh, his updates periodically. Um, something I wanted to talk a little bit about with you guys today is the legend of Jimmy Pearsall. And before I kind of uh, start on that, what do you guys know about Jimmy Pearsall before I start? If anything, just what you told me in the DMs. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> okay. What you told me before we hit record. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so Jimmy Pearsall, this is good. I'm glad you guys don't really know much about him. So Jimmy Pearsall, my last name is Pearsall, obviously, as you guys know, spelled the exact same way. And, um, you know, growing up, um, you know, I was always told, you know, we're related to Jimmy Pearsall, uh, former MLB player. You know, he played with the Red Sox. He played with the uh, California Angels. He was on the, the Cleveland baseball team for a little bit. Um, you know, and then he was on the Mets, I think in 1964 and he's a pretty interesting story. So, um, he's from Connecticut. Um, and I believe that his parents were adopted or one of his parents was adopted. And so there's kind of like a little bit of like a break in like the family tree there for that reason alone. Um, but you know, it was kind of always just something where it was like, it was cool that he was in that at one point in his life, we had the same last name, you know, I, was you know a baseball nut growing up so it was kind of always nice to to know that I kind of had that in my lineage but he wasn't someone who was directly like involved in like my family like it was you know it was always kind of just like if we're related to him like it's distant you know but our, my last name is not particularly common and it's spelled the same exact way and so you know and you also look at him and he has some similar features that like my family has you kind of see in the ears and like the nose and stuff like that and so it was kind of always one of these things where like, you know, we really wanted to, to meet him, you know, and my, I, you know, one of my aunts like, like investigated on online, tried to contact him, you know, when I was a little kid and nothing ever really came to fruition. And then um, I think it was 2007, there was a baseball card show at Hofstra university on Long Island and it's not particularly close to me. I mean, I, I live in Westchester, so it's probably like an hour 15 from where I am, maybe an hour and a half. Um, but me and my dad took a trip down there, you know, to meet Jimmy Pearsall. And uh, that year in Little League, we were the Boston Red Sox, which is a team that he was on for a majority of his career. So I wore my Little League, you know, Red Sox jersey. My dad brought like, when you play Little League, they make like those like baseball cards for you that you can order. So um, we brought one of those as well. And so we get to Hofstra and we're online to meet Jimmy Pearsall and uh, we get up to the table and my dad is like, uh, you know, Hey, Hey, Jimmy, how's it going? It's a pleasure to meet you. You know, I want you to take a look at something. And he slides him the baseball card and he goes, uh, he goes, look at the last name. Uh, he goes, do you think we're related? And Jimmy goes, well, you know, it's not a really common last name. So I, uh, you know, I'd have to say probably. And so, you know, he signed my baseball. I have it, you know, still on my mantle. And uh, I have a picture with him somewhere, you know, that, that my dad took. And um, he passed away, I think, two or three years ago. Um, he was 87 when he passed away. But he's a really interesting guy. So just a little background on him. He's perhaps best known for when he hit his 100th home run, he ran the bases backwards. So he ran – third second first home and um the reason being was because he 
at that time was on the, on the Mets with Duke Snyder, you know, who had an illustrious career with the Dodgers, but he was, he played with the Mets briefly at the end of his career. And Duke Snyder was on the cusp of 400 home runs and Jimmy Pearsall was on the cusp of 100 home runs. And so Jimmy goes, they made like a little bet and Jimmy goes, I'll bet you that I'll get more publicity for hitting my hundredth home run than you will for your 400th. And so when he hit the home run, he ran the bases backwards. So there's like, there's like this famous picture where it's just like him, like, you know, like, like embarking on his home run trot, like running down the third base line. And so, but he has a really interesting story too. Like he was bipolar. I don't know if he was diagnosed since it was, you know, a different time period, but um, he had like, he has a movie about him called fear strikes out that came out, I think probably in like the, the sixties. Um, but he has a whole movie based around him. Um, he would like hide behind the monuments at Yankee stadium when they had like the monuments in, in the outfield, he almost got into a fight or maybe did get into a fight with the former Yankees manager. I think it was Billy Martin. Um, like when Jimmy was on the Red Sox and Billy Martin was managing the Yankees. Um, but I think one of my favorite quotes perhaps is uh, Jimmy Pearsall got released by the Mets like later that year. And um, Casey Stangle was the manager at that point. And uh, <laughs> he said something along the lines of like, yeah, like there's like, there's only room for like one clown on this team or something like that. I got it. Like, I got to find the quote, but like, he was like, yeah, like, you know, there's only room for, for one clown on the Mets and it's not Jimmy Pearsall or something like that. So like, I always say, you know, clownery runs in my blood. Um, I'm going to pull up the quote. Uh, Cause I, I know that I, I made it my, my Facebook profile cover uh, at some point. Um, <laughs> Cause you know, it's just like a, it's a cool like baseball moment. That's like pretty historic. Um, but Casey Stangle was like pretty vocal about not liking Jimmy Pearsall or at least like being bothered by him. And it makes sense that the guy like seems super high maintenance. Well, think about it. it. Casey Stangle's this old school manager and his player ran like, like you think he actually got the home run for that. If he runs around the bases the wrong way, he might not even gotten the run. That was <laughs> yeah. old school manager. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, I mean, can you imagine that happening today? Like that'd be like, like, you know, like imagine if Fernando Tatis did that, like people's heads would explode. Like people would yeah, like yeah. literally combust. But so, yeah, so I pulled up the picture. Um, uh, Jimmy Pearsall had 29.4 career wins above replacement. He won two gold gloves. He appeared in two all-star games. He has a book and movie about him, which I said is called Fear Strikes Out. Um, and it was 1963 that he hit his 100th home run, not 1964. Um Casey Sangle said he was glad saying that the team only had room for one clown. So that was, uh, you know, that was kind of the thing. I always say that clownery runs in the Pierce Hall blood, but uh, the reason I bring it up is because today is the anniversary of that hundredth home run. So I figured it'd be kind of uh, appropriate to bring up and talk about my lineage, uh, you know, and my possible relation. I'd like to think probable that we don't know for sure, but possible, uh, um, relation to Jimmy Pearsall, who's ingrained in the Mets fabric somewhere along the line. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the story of Jimmy Pearsall. That's amazing too, that he was part of those like early Mets teams that were just so lovably bad. And, you know, 
not only was he on that team, but he, you know, he ran the bases backwards. And it, the first thing that stuck out in my mind is like, if that were to happen today, it would definitely be like Tim Anderson on the yeah. White Sox, just, to, just to piss off LaRusso. <laughs> Tim Anderson himself, if he did that, honestly. Kidding me? Tony LaRusso would, would have, uh, would go into cardiac arrest and pass away. At, uh, U.S. Cellular Fuel. I don't know what it's called anymore. It used to be called U.S. Cellular. Isn't it a guaranteed rate now? Guaranteed rate, be. yeah. yeah. Uh, the only uh, guarantee is that Tony LaRusso would perish in that moment. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's Jimmy Pearsall. Uh, on, on a more contemporary note, um, We've been posting quite a bit of memes. I don't really know how it how it kind of got started. Uh, I think it started it got started with a Mason Williams meme, yeah. actually. Ryan, yeah. I don't know if you've like been keeping up with like the memes we've been making and everything like that, but I've been having a lot of fun uh, kind of making these deep fried, silly Mets memes and uh, using them using them for reactions kind of throughout the season. Uh, <laughs> but it's been a lot of fun to do. I think. Uh... Fuck it, Chris Schwinden is <laughs> rapidly <laughs> rising on my list. <laughs> that one's so good. It's just like it's just like blurred out Chris Schwinden. It's just like it just says fuck it, Chris Schwinden. Uh, <laughs> that one's great. But it all started with um, it all started with a Mason Williams meme where I like flared his eyes out, where it looks like his eyes are like you know like lasers, and it just said this pleases Mason Williams. And I think that that was kind of the one where like I saw people like enjoyed it. And so I continued to do it. Um, and they've kind of, I feel like if anything, they've just devolved and like they've become just more deep fried as like the things have gone on. Like exactly like the, like the fucking Chris Schwinden one. Like yeah. I plan to do more of those, you know, as, as like time goes on, um, especially with like being Mets legends. Like I think bringing guys up that you've probably forgotten about and like having it be silly like that and deep fried, like would be really funny. Um but another one I really enjoyed was the the Sean Reed Foley one, where it was just like <laughs> Sean Reed Foley with like his like uh, muscle shirt on and uh, has like the mustache, and it's just like Sean Reed Foley is fucking back. Bottom text, and I have like the budget, <laughs> like the bottom just says bottom text. So um, it's kind of silly, but I wanted to ask you guys uh, if we continue doing these memes, who are some of the guys you want to see? Um, or what are the, some of the things you'd want to see on those pictures? And then I have an idea that I want to say last, but I want to hear from you guys first. Yeah, go, ahead. go ahead, Ryan. I don't know. Um, trying to think uh, what would cross over. I wonder if there's something that can be done with Eric Campbell. I mean, that's a mess. Later. Oh, yeah. Got to oh, yeah, I think soup. so, too. Yeah, yeah something yeah. soup-related. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think something that, that would like, be one, my one submission there. Maybe something Eric Campbell. The like thing that. is, like, I think I always find it, like, uh, for me, it's like if I see funny pictures on Twitter of, like, current players, I save them and keep them kind of the archive, and then I give an idea comes to me. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I do. But also, like, with historic Mets, too, it's like you see a picture of them, and, like, then you, you kind of get, like, the idea, you know, where it's, like, whether it's, like, their facial expression or, or whatever it is, like, you know, that Sean Reed Foley one, like, I don't know. It was just that it just came to me because I saw that picture. Yeah. Um, Keith Hernandez good fundies. That's, that's a classic. Cause I, you yeah. know, I think it can happen quite a bit and it's very much like evergreen. You can, you yes. can use it wherever it's appropriate. Um, 
but I would say, you know, this team that we have right now, as it's currently put together, you know, I, I have a feeling that Billy McKinney is going to stick around for, for the long haul, at least this season. So I feel like doing something with Billy McKinney could be pretty funny um, as far as like current Mets go. But then I also think, you know, if you wanted to go more like lol Mets route, uh, you know, maybe go like Mike Baxter running into the wall mm. or, or something like that. Uh, that's, that's a good one for sure to my mind yeah that's a good one too i could do like mike baxter like making that catch like deep fry it and be like mike baxter just just saved your ass or something like that something you know? like that. like, yeah. like you know <laughs> i actually do have a billy mckinney one but i haven't been able to use it because i think since i've made it um that he hasn't hit a home run but it's like a picture of billy mckinney oh that's like, right and like post game where he like looks like Jacob Rame, like he has like the, the <laughs> hair part in like the glasses and like it says Billy wild Bill McKinney just took your ass deep that's but right. like that's right. like I, I think since I've made it he hasn't even hit one home run so I just like I've been waiting to use it and like I can't even use it for any other moment except for him hitting a home run so maybe I'll have to make another Billy McKinney one um one that I have that I'm probably going to make at some point is Trevor May and he's he like his hair is like really long. Like it looks like he's almost like a pompadour and like he's wearing a Fortnite shirt and it's <laughs> just like flexing. And like, I think I'm going to make one where it's like Fortnite daddy, like just, just like shut your team down or something silly like that. Um, but that's probably going to be my next one. Um, that's a perfect Trevor May picture to meme, which I think it's already been sort of like memed into oblivion, but it's, yeah, it's very much, you know, of that like memeable photo class so i'm all i'm all for it there's also like the one of aaron loop last night where he has like the bush light in front of him after oh, throwing three dude <laughs> three scoreless innings dude, it's that's beer what are we doing with bush light i mean yeah <laughs> get get this man something get him at least like a keystone or something you yeah, know Cohen's give him a rolling step rock. it up i don't know what's going on in that clubhouse <laughs> yeah bush i didn't even know they made bush light like bush alone is like pretty light like how That's much light do you get after that um actually i think are. on a, a new year's is it this past new i think it was this past new year's or no it was a christmas eve party but i was with my sister's family and that was like a tradition i guess they had some relative that drank bush light so they had it like in their fridge for years and that was like their celebration of the horrible beer this guy would drink we all had a cheers to a bush light and it was pretty uh, bad. So I don't know what loops doing there. I mean, I, I, I went to school in Indiana. Um, went to DePaul university. It's tiny little school in a tiny little town. And you know, the big thing with bush light was it was super cheap, but they had these like camo <laughs> beer cans that were like vibrant orange with like, you know, just like woodland camo uh, sort of like graphics on them. And those were extremely popular in the, in my college days. You got to have the camo. Yeah. You got to have the camo on the cans. I mean, you can't pass that up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for me, it was Genesee. And that's a beer that like a lot of people might not know if they're not from like greater New York. Like, you know, and I didn't even know about it before I went to college either, but I had a friend who was from Buffalo and he was super into Genesee. And I swear it was like, it was like $15 for a 30 rack 
and I feel like it just made me more sober. Like I just like would drink it and drink it and drink it. And like, if anything, I was just getting more hydrated because I definitely did not feel like any effects, like at any time I drank it. Yeah. Um, and you just like, you're just like, I'm just so full at this point. I don't even want any more Genesee, but uh, it was a good beer to just like have in the fridge. Cause like, it's like, if you're hanging out with like your buddies, like you're not like trying to like, you know, tie one on, you know, it's just like, you can just like drink a few of them and you'll be completely fine to do any of your normal activities. So there's some suggestions for you, Aaron Loop. Hope you hear it. Hope you're listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we head out, let's remember some Mets legends. Um, Ryan, I'm going to let you start because when we actually tried to record our podcast with you last time, um, and it, you know, it unfortunately, um, you know, it unfortunately froze a little bit too much. Um, you're talking about Jeff Duncan. So I want you to talk a little bit about your experience with Jeff Duncan and kind of how you remember him fondly um, as a Mets legend. Yeah. You know, I don't have all the, the numbers in front of me this time, but Jeff Duncan had a moment in time where he was outperforming a Jose Reyes in their rookie seasons. And Jeff Duncan for like a moment was hitting 400. It didn't last very long, but I think, he is kind of the epitome of some of these Mets legends because you have these guys, this fan base gets so swept away when someone has a good week, especially a rookie that you go from a guy that probably only got called into action because of an injury and they get a couple of hits. Their numbers are good. They're going to be the starting center fielder for the next decade. And for (laughs) Jeff Duncan, I don't think he appeared much after his rookie season. So there's a lot of guys like that, some a little bit better than others. He was kind of like a, a Kirk Neuenheis before Kirk Neuenheis, but Neuenheis at least stuck around for a bit. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys like that who don't quite pan out. But in the moment, you, you love a Jeff Duncan. I was uh, oh, I yeah. have his baseball reference pulled up right now, and it's not pretty. <laughs> he had, you know, he only spent time in the majors for two seasons, both with the Mets in 03 and 04. Uh in 03, where he was supposedly, you know, supposed to be the next, I don't know, Andrew Jones or whatever, uh, he hit 190, 194. <laughs> he four stole bases, was caught twice, uh, struck out 41 times in 56 games, and he hit one home run. Two triples, though. <laughs> All right. He, he had some extra base, uh, some extra base uh, pop there. Yeah. Look at the um, first two weeks, though, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I remember. And and I mentioned this last time, but I remember being at my friend's house, probably in 03. We were, like, in third grade or whatever it was. And he ha- we were, like, trading baseball cards, and he gave me this Jeff Duncan rookie. I have it pulled up here. I'll show you guys. Of course, you readers aren't going to be able to see it. That's the card, Jeff Duncan tops rookie card with the nice. blue border, I remember. And he goes – you, yeah, you could have this Jeff Duncan card, but if he becomes a Hall of Famer, you have to give it back to me. And I was like, <laughs> deal, I guess, deal. So I still have it somewhere. It's still kicking around somewhere. Um, the but, one good number from that 03 season, he did have an OPS plus of 144. Okay. So he had a little bit of like, a little bit of like some sneaky yeah. kind of kind of potential there. Um, but yeah, Jeff and then, Duncan. And then in 04, it was uh negative 48 so the way they okay. show it on uh on baseball reference is um you know instead of 100 being the benchmark they make it zero so it's 44 and then negative 48 <laughs> oh, jesus man that's brutal 
But uh, yeah, I mean, there's just like those years were so tough for the Mets because like they just sucked and like they, it was just some dark times with the Mets. But like I loved these orange like spring training jerseys that they had that year. Like, and they had like they wore these like it wasn't like their standard blue. It was kind of like a little bit of like an off blue like mesh hat with like oh yeah, uh, you remember with the those? black like, NY. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had one of those. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I loved it. I was I like, these too. are so sick. Yeah. But I loved these, like, I loved these Mets, these orange Mets jerseys. So, like, I always think about Jeff Duncan, like, when I think about those jerseys back then. And, like, mm-hmm. Ricky Batalico and <laughs> James Baldwin and, like, guys like that. Mike Cameron um, stands out to me in that, in that yeah. orange jersey. Yeah. So, Jeff Duncan, he's definitely a good – a good legend to remember. Um, Mike J, what about you? Who are you remembering today? Yeah, I mean, I, so talking so much about the 2016 Mets, I got to go with a 2016, uh, you know, legend. And, you know, there's so many to choose from, but one that I think has definitely faded from, uh, from you know, sort of Mets fans' perspective is uh, Jim Henderson. Mm. He, mm. He, you know, he was with the team super briefly, but, um, you know, just got to give a shout out to, to Jim Henderson for the, to start off this, you know, virtual 2016 redo. <laughs> he was, he was good. And then Terry Collins just like, I don't know. He just like, like pitched him so often. And I, I yeah. and I think that was kind of just the, the end of it. Like he just, he overused Henderson so early in that year. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that was kind of it. Yeah, I mean, he pitched in 44 games. Um, he he had 35 innings pitched total. Um, it, it was a respectable season, I would say, overall. Um, you know, his ERA was at 411. But, you know, it just goes to show that that sort of, like, turnaround that Terry Collins sort of had in terms of using pitchers where he would overuse guys, overuse guys, and they would get worn out and, and then they'd be terrible. <laughs> and oh yeah. Shockingly. But <sighs> yeah, I know. I liked Henderson too. I mean, he, I liked him. I thought that was a good pickup. He was a good, like middle relief, long relief yeah. guy. Yeah. Speaking of middle, middle relief and long relief guys, I'm going to remember Aaron Seeley today. Um, I believe Aaron Seeley was on the 2008 Mets. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was kind of that guy where he was like, the long relief guy, end of his career, had like a pretty good MLB career. Um, and I liked him too. I'm going to look up his numbers now. I remember him being like kind of decent though. I don't know if he lasted the entire team that year, the entire year that year. Yeah, he did. He wasn't decent though. I lied about that part. Uh, I think he had stretches three. though. He had, he had good stretches, I remember. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was a guy that like would wear it sometimes if you needed him to. Mm-hmm. He finished 10 games that year. So he was probably finishing games in the Mets were like way behind anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was actually the 2007 Mets he was on. He had a 537 ERA, 53 innings pitched, 32 earned runs. He let up only five home runs though, struck out 29, had a 466 FIP. Um, you know, so he was all right. I mean, certainly that was the last year of his 15 year career too though so he was like he was at the end of it he debuted in 93 so 07 you know it was the last year he yeah. he debuted before i was even born you know? <laughs> so good good for aaron Seeley. but he's uh you know his birthday actually is 
Friday. So happy early birthday, Aaron Seeley. I'm glad I picked you as the as the, the legend today. He's turning 51. So uh, yeah, haven't posted birthday, a happy Aaron birthday Seeley. graphic in a while. We can do it. We can bring it back up with Aaron Seeley for Aaron sure. Aaron Seeley, you're getting a birthday graphic. Happy birthday, you sick <laughs> son of a gun. Writing it down so I don't forget. <laughs> uh, before we before we go on, Ryan. I was just gonna say I think I have one more I got to bring up because yeah, for, for up. some reason when you mentioned 2016, I was just channeling him ahead. Is he gonna say John Mayberry? And oh uh, yeah, oh. Mayberry was 2015 and pulling up his numbers. 59 games, he hit 164, 227 on base percentage, 318 slugging percentage, three home runs, and 110 at-bats. If I remember, he was so bad that the Mets promoted a Michael Conforto from Double A to get him off the roster, and that kind of changed the season. So John Mayberry Jr., a Mets legend for a terrible start to the season. Well, he was he was batting cleanup like at yeah. certain points in the year. Like the Mets had him batting fourth, sometimes third. They had, it was like him and Campbell hitting in the middle of the order. I'm like, what are we yeah. doing here? You know, Anthony Wrecker like kind of sounds like Cameron Mabin. <laughs> yeah, 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 literally. Um, you know, Mabin. It was like 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 you hope that like maybe if they have to bring him back up, like he gives you anything. For Mayberry, it was like I feel like he was a guy that was on the Phillies bench and was like mm. not even that good then. But I was, I was at the game where Chris Heston threw a no hitter um, against oh, yeah. the Mets in 2015. And I, I'm going to pull up the lineup for that. Um, I think Mayberry hit clean up that night. Um, let's say, which is why they were no hit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, literally. No <laughs> so, so Mayberry actually didn't play in that game. Never mind, But they had Granderson leading off. Ruben Tejada was playing second base that day, batting second. Duda was third. Michael Kadir batted cleanup that day. Wilmer Flores, Juan Magares, Eric Campbell, Anthony Recker. Syndergaard actually pitched that, started that game. And then Daryl Siciliani pinched hit for him. Dylan G and Sean Gilmartin pitched in relief. And Danny Muno pinched hit later in the game as well. Um, Danny Muno. That's a good one. Uh, he, I was at his major league debut that year too, actually. Um, oh man! And yeah, I think he was just on that 2015 match. Mm-hmm. But um, and uh, what's his what's his name? Chris Heston actually hit three batters that game in that no hitter. He hit Ruben Tejada, Lucas Duda. That was Lucas Duda's ninth hit by pitch that year, and it was only June. He got hit <laughs> yeah. ninth hit by pitch, and then Anthony Recker also got hit later in the game. Um, that was a brutal. That was a brutal game to be at. Um, and the Mets were still over 500 at that point. I didn't even realize they were 31 and 28. That, that was June 9th, 2015. Mm-hmm. That that whole month, I remember, was just a lot of games like that where it was just the, the same old Mets. They couldn't hit. You know, the, the division wasn't really going away from them, but they couldn't catch up. It was that, that was a, a rough month. It was terrible. I mean, they were awful. June. It's June. It's June. So it's yeah. the June. The yeah. June swoon. Yeah. I mean, yep. Even Always this happens. year, we're like kind of maybe. I mean, the Mets like thankfully have had like a pretty decent June, and they're still in first place. But like yeah. ah, the last, the last few games, man, have just been so terrible. Like they've just been so bit like offensively bad. Like the bullpen's getting completely burned out. Like you're seeing guys like Miguel Castro kind of struggle now. Like it's just it's a bummer. I mean, even last night, like like with everything being like said and done, like the bullpen did a tremendous job and the offense just didn't hit like mm-hmm. Yancy Diaz, like 
let up that three-run home run, but, like, probably wasn't expecting to pitch in the capacity that he did. Aaron Loop throws three innings in relief for the first time, like, in, like, eight years, you know. Um, so they did a good job, and they've been doing a good job, but it's like, I don't know how much longer they can really hold on, like, you know, without making some external additions. I mean, this, this off day coming up tomorrow on Thursday, I mean, like, I feel like the bullpen is just going to, like, collapse – and just not move for the whole day. Like they've just yeah. been, they've been taxed from really from the get go because, because of the need that they've had sort of at the back end of the rotation with, you know, guys not being reliable. And then, you know, I, thank goodness that Stroman's MRI came back negative um, today. So he's, he's considered day to day, I guess, but, Oh man, it's, it it's a it's a freight train that's that's coming off the rails it seems like i think you'll probably see robert stock get called up before friday's series in in yeah. uh in um philadelphia um because i as far i mean the, the syracuse mets are embarrassingly going through covid testing right now um but stock i don't think is reported to triple a yet so they might like they, he might not even you know get sent to Syracuse. He might just join the Mets Friday. I can't imagine that like you know they'll probably send Yancy Diaz down and like and like put stock in the bullpen. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just gotta hope they could hold on and then and then make some additions uh, over the next month or so. Um, and then you hope that at the end of the year they're they're healthy. But it's been it's been brutal, and this four game lead certainly doesn't feel secure. No, it doesn't. I think that the one thing that you have to come back to those, I don't, I'm not really too nervous that any of these teams in the division are really going to take off. I, I guess the Braves would be the one, but mm-hmm. they're so hurt still with their pitchers. Like, I, I don't know. I still feel like it's the, the Mets division to lose. And I also think that this is just a bad week and they could very easily go out and, you know, take three or four from the Phillies over the weekend and everyone kind of changes the way they're feeling right now. So we'll see. Totally. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's just how it swings all season really. Um, and, you know, as, as long as the Mets are in first place, you know, I'm happy as a fan. Yeah. Same. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that like you said, Ryan, like no one's running away with this division and I don't think the Phillies are a real threat. Atlanta's are the only team that like I somewhat worried about um, and somewhat worried about, but yeah, they've had so many injuries Marcelo Zuna, like probably not going to play again this year no. or maybe ever again for good reason. Um, but Darno is probably going to miss uh, most of the year, if not all of the year. Right. And same with Soroka. So, um, and then everyone else like, has kind of been like, I don't think Max Freed has been great. I don't even know if he's healthy right now. If he is, I haven't he heard just, much. He just went that. back on the IL, the, the blister. Yep. So there you go. So, I mean, the, you know, I don't see the Braves as a team like they were last year and the year before that. You know, and I hope we, you know, hopefully the Mets are able to kind of, you know, regroup and have that tight knit atmosphere that they once did. Um, you know, but Mets are still in first place. We got to reminisce on some legends today, and that's really what this is all about. Anyway, um, through the good and the bad, we always have our legends. <laughs> Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. One more time, let folks know where they can find you, um, and let let us know what uh, you know what we can expect. We can expect 
on the podcast going forward a little bit. Yeah, so uh, you know you can follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can find Locked On Mets wherever you listen to podcasts. On tomorrow's show, going to be breaking down the legend of Tyler McGill. Now we'll see what he does in his Mets debut. And also, speaking of rookie seasons, I'll have my last throwback Thursday segment uh, with Brian Wright, where we've been talking about best rookie seasons in Mets history. There's only one left, so the best rookie season in Mets history we'll be talking about tomorrow. Awesome, right? <laughs> well, actually, uh, Pete Alonso did not fit the criteria because Mets and Tens was released before uh, Pete Alonso's rookie season. This oh, is a book that was published, I think, in 2018. Mm. Um, so it's it's not Alonso. Alonso, I, I believe he still said probably would have been top two, but still okay. would not have surpassed this other Mets season. All right. Mm. Well, we'll leave it for, we'll leave it for uh, a yeah, teaser. We'll leave it for, we'll leave the little teaser there for you guys. Gives you a little incentive to check out Ryan's podcast if you have not. Um, but as always, I'm Rob Pearsall with Michael Jennings and Ryan Finkelstein today. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Looking forward to it.